<clears throat> in this episode, you will discover how you can experience exponential growth, the key to selling in an uncertain market, and why companies don't need leads. My uh, guest today is Daryl Amy. Welcome, Daryl. Hey, it's great to be here. This is going to be a lot of fun today. Absolutely. I look forward to our conversation. And uh, we are talking about exponential revenue growth. So hang tight and uh, listen in. Put anything that you're doing aside, including social media and anything else, uh, tune in and uh, make sure you like and subscribe uh, to the channel and uh, share the link with a friend who could benefit from exponential revenue growth, which could be about all of your friends, even if they're established and uh, they, they, we're always looking for growth. That's so, right. Um, and then if you have any questions about the, what we're doing, put them in a comment and or send it to us uh, later. And the other thing you could do is tag your friend on social media in a comment and have them enjoy this conversation and share the wisdom with them. Let me do the proper introduction to my friend Daryl, and we're going to dive into a very interesting conversation. Daryl Amy helps uh, generous entrepreneurs build engines to grow revenue so they can grow their impact. He is the author of Revenue Growth Engine, How to Align Sales and Marketing to Accelerate Growth. He leads uh, the Build Your Revenue Growth Engine a mentorship program and is also leading a group of entrepreneurs to Everest Base Camp with the Revenue Growth Expedition. That is awesome. Daryl serves on the Forbes Business Council. He is the host of the Revenue Growth Podcast and the co-host of Selling from the Heart. When he's not helping companies build engines to grow revenue, he enjoys hiking, canoeing, and sailing. Welcome, Daryl. <laughs> that was fantastic. It's great to be here. We're gonna have a good time today. Absolutely. Where about are you? Well, I'm a Canadian kid that married a Southern girl. So I live right on the south edge of the Ozark Mountains in the great state of Arkansas, uh, smack dab between Dallas, Texas and Nashville, Tennessee. Oh, wow. That is yeah. interesting. And uh, which city are you in right now? Uh, Conway, Conway, Arkansas. Conway. Yep. And then what's 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 it like uh, right now? Is it warm? Is it cold? Uh, is it well? Uh, yeah, I'm glad you asked Rain. because my Canadian blood usually does not like this southern heat. It's been three decades and I'm barely used to the heat. But today, as I look out the window of my office, there is snow on the ground. So this happens uh, once or twice a year. And uh, so I'm a, I'm a happy uh, Canadian kid finally enjoying some cool weather in the south. Oh, yeah. Don't we get some snow up here? I mean, it, it is actually <laughs> literally snowing right now in Calgary. But um, the, and the, 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 the streets have been covered in snow pretty much all January. But you know what? We've had like almost the best January ever. Now, uh, make no mistake, by Saturday, it's going to be 18 degrees. The sun will be shining. Everything will have melted and gone away. So uh, we oh, don't yeah. keep snow very long down here. Uh, it's a year-round golfing place, and uh, there's no skiing or snowshoeing uh, in this part of the world. But it, not... but it is a great place to live. Absolutely. That's not Calgary. Snow stays around not at for all. long. We're not a golf community like in the summer. It is <laughs> for two weeks. We got a lot right? of yeah. skating and skiing <laughs> and snow and uh, winter wonderland is what we call it. So, um, uh, Daryl, what is your story? Well, I mentioned I'm that Canadian kid that married a Southern girl. I came down here and uh, went to business school and got a got a degree in marketing. And in the process felt like the fastest way to get get started and to get out and make some money was to get into sales. So I started my career in technology sales three decades ago uh, this year. That was 1993 for me. I was a sales rep, sales manager, ran a branch, went to work for a Japanese technology company, helping them develop their network across the region. And um, in the process, I'd always wanted to do something on my own. So in uh, 2004, I hung out a shingle starting a uh, sales training company, teaching solution selling skills. And as luck would have it, Mustafa, my very first client came to me and said, and that sales training was great, but our marketing doesn't say anything about it. Do you build websites? 
Yes, sir. We build websites. I took that uh, marketing degree out of my pocket. And what was fun about that is I've spent the last two decades, I guess, to use our skiing analogy with one ski in the marketing world. Uh, I've uh, run, started and uh, been a part of several different digital marketing agencies, starting with that web and then going into search, social, inbound and now account based marketing. And then the uh, other ski has always been sales. I'm passionate about selling. I've gotten involved in doing sales training across multiple industries, had the opportunity to develop sales training programs for some Fortune 100 companies. And right now, my passion, I get to co-host the Selling from the Heart podcast, where we get to talk to the leading authors and thought leaders Um, in the sales business, along with my co-host, Larry Levine, author of Selling from the Heart. So I'm a sales guy with, I love selling. I love that whole uh, world of sales and I love marketing. It's always interesting. It's always new. There's always something uh, to learn. It's always a challenge. And so that brings me to where I am today. And, and I was getting ready to speak at a conference in 2019. And it was a conference with usually when I spoke to groups, it was either a group of entrepreneurs, business owners, a group of marketing people, or a group of salespeople. But in this conference, they were all in the room together. So like, what am I going to tell these people? <laughs> and so, you know, the marketing people were there, they were excited. Uh, They were sitting on the edge of their seats. The sales leaders were in the back of the room. You could see them kind of rolling their eyes going, man, we could be out selling something. Why are we at this conference? Uh, The business owners were drinking coffee along the back road. You could see them going, man, I wish y'all could get along. And I was like, what am I going to say to this group of people? Um, Some of them had been down far down the inbound marketing road. And uh, maybe we'll get to this later on in the conversation, but it didn't work very well for them. Um, and others had not, you know, done anything. But there was, it was just one of these times where I woke up in a sweat in the middle of the night going, what am I going to tell this group? I can't go in and say, you need to get involved in inbound marketing because some of them had done it and it wasn't the right solution for them. So in that dark night of the soul, I started with a clean whiteboard. I love a clean whiteboard. And I sketched out the revenue growth engine model which is a framework to align sales and marketing to drive exponential revenue growth. Kind of just after two decades of frustration to sit down and go, okay, if I started from scratch, this is what I'd do. Love it. And then who do you serve these days and who do you, who do you want to work with? I love um, serving. You said at the beginning of the show, purpose-driven, generous entrepreneurs that want to scale their business. And the reason why I say purpose-driven and generous entrepreneurs is they're the type of people that uh, as they grow their business, not only are they creating meaningful jobs, and by the way, to all of our friends in marketing, you know, don't everyone, don't ever let anyone put you down. You're on the front edge of creating growth and meaningful jobs right now, which is so important. But not only are generous entrepreneurs creating meaningful jobs, they're also giving back uh, to nonprofits and, and causes that they value. And right now, is, as in various parts of the world, there's different levels of economic uncertainty. I think it's really important that generous business owners are able to step up and fund um, these critical causes. So that, that's what gets me up in the morning. Um, I love sales. I love marketing, but I really love seeing generous entrepreneurs thrive so that they can give back. And, and that's what gets me fired up. Love it. Um, so uh, we talked about uh, sharing some tips about creating exponential growth. Okay, let, let, me, uh, let me go back actually before. So you, ta- you said you went, you sat down and you said, here's what I would do mm-hmm. if I started from scratch. Yes. What do you do when you start from scratch or what did you decide to do? Well, the first thing I decided to do is to realize that it's not about sales and it's not about marketing. What it's actually about is revenue. And uh, so, you know, inside any type of organization, doesn't matter if you're a massive company or a startup, it always seems like sales and marketing are, are bumping heads and, and sometimes there's silos and all of that. Sales has its own language. Marketing has its own language. 
but the reality is it's not about marketing. It's not about sales. It's about driving revenue. And specifically, it's about driving revenue to ideal clients. Now, what I mean by ideal clients, in my definition, an ideal client is someone that needs everything that you offer. They're the type of client that it's not one and done. It's, you know, we, we don't close deals. We open relationships and those relationships keep paying off over time. And so when we look at, at the goal is revenue and the goal is driving revenue from ideal clients, I'll explain in a moment why that's important. That whole model, the revenue growth engine said, this isn't a sales model. This isn't a marketing model. This is a revenue model. And I think it's really important to use that word. I think the R word is showing up more and more inside um, companies. You're seeing chief revenue officers. Um, you're seeing companies say, I want a revenue operations um, team because what we want to do is we want to make sure we don't get our eye off the ball. And the ball is revenue. And how do we grow? How do we grow the top line of our companies? Love it. So... You say it's not about sales and marketing, it's about revenue. What do you mean by that? Well, I want to make sure that sales and marketing are pointed in the same direction. You know, the, the subtitle of the book is Aligning Sales and Marketing to Drive Exponential Growth. And this whole concept of alignment, I had a, an epiphany one day when I was taking my car to the shop. And we've all had a car that's out of alignment, right? You're driving down the road, it's pulling to the left, it's pulling to the right. All that is very, very frustrating to drive a car that's out of alignment. It's also very, very frustrating to work in a company that's out of alignment. And so the challenge is, you know, if you've got sales headed in one direction and you got marketing headed in direct one direction, you're going to be in trouble. So when you, when I brought my car to the shop to get an alignment, uh, I noticed they lifted up on the rack and in the old days, before all the fancy computers and lasers and everything, actually had a red dot on the back wall. And all the tires got pointed at that red dot. The machine, you know, was focused on one thing. And when that happened, all of a sudden the tires in alignment, you can drive down the road, you can hit the gas and you can go. And um, and so the alignment point that I think is really important for sales and marketing, because we tend to get stuck in our own worlds is if we can get both teams and really every department in the company focused on revenue, then we begin to get everyone working in the same direction. So it's not like, you know, sales is pulling to the left, marketing's pulling to the right. Sales is going on an appointment. I had someone, someone tell me just the other day, a salesperson, yeah, I went on this appointment they're with a, a financial institution that's got a great marketing team. He goes, I go on this appointment. My customer hands me something and says, yeah, I just got this from your marketing. Uh, I just got this from your company. The marketing department put it out. Can you tell me about it? Salesperson didn't even know about it. Go, well, there's this is out of alignment. So if we could keep the goal, uh, the red dot on the wall um, is revenue and we keep sales and marketing aligned then we're going to be uh, in a position and, and that red dot is revenue. And that's why I want to challenge everybody. The scorecard at the end of the day, you may have all kinds of different scorecards, uh, but the real scorecard we're aiming at, whether you're leading a sales team or whether you're working in the marketing team, uh, the real scorecard is always revenue and the two types of revenue, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment. Two types. Um, uh, so for people that are kind of, puzzled and not sure what is the difference between sales and marketing and how are they separate? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think sales people are generally going to be in a one-to-one -one, uh, conversation. So the salesperson is responsible for understanding the network of decision makers inside an account and building those relationships one-to-one -one and truly um, customizing the conversation around the outcomes that each one of those individual decision makers want and th that specific company. Sales is also responsible for getting uh, everybody that's table to make a decision, which is a huge issue right now. Um, getting consensus to move forward, especially for my friends in B2B, we're an average buying team, according to Brent Adamson and Matt Dixon, the guys from the Challenger customer, 
you know, in some industries, as buying teams have more than more than 10 people engaged, decision makers and influencers. So sales gets down in the nitty gritty of those relationships and understanding both the business and relational dynamics of that. Um, marketing is going to start from the other side. Um, it's going to be usually one to many. And, you know, as as we're getting more engaged in account based marketing, that one to many, the many is getting a little smaller. We're getting a little more focused, which I'm a huge advocate for. But marketing is usually representing the company out to a client sales. It's relational. You know, let's let's just be realistic. Even in today's world, uh, people still buy from people they know, like and trust. So that marketing is trying to build a level of credibility for the company. Salespeople are trying to build a level of credibility for themselves so that they can um, get the approval and consensus to move forward. Great Fair question. Enough. Yeah. Uh, because I, I know people use the words interchangeably, and uh, sometimes I feel like they don't quite understand the difference between sales and marketing. And I, I know a lot of people are confused about it. So you talked about mm -hmm. two types of revenue. Yes. And um, uh, now before I get to that, in in a no BS term and approach and in a simple mm -hmm. way, are we saying that we're doing all of this sales and marketing to make money at the end of the day? Is that Absolutely. what you're saying? It's all 100%, about 100%. 100%. And, you know, sales and marketing teams are responsible for top line revenue going into a company, period. And that's mm -hmm. where, you know, I think I think there's a tendency to to um, get lost in some of the details of all the different things we have going on, especially in the marketing world. Um, but to my friends in sales as well, we get lost in the details and focusing maybe on one type of revenue instead of, of both, and, which we'll talk about here in a moment. But that that is, you know, I think it's critical to always remember uh, we're watching, uh, we got the Super Bowl coming up on Sunday, right? So you know, the Super Bowl is going to have all kinds of statistics. There's going to be yards per carry, quarterback efficiency, number oh, of yeah. sacks. So there's like all kinds of data. I think, you know, Amazon uh, is now warehousing all that data so they can give real time stats. But there's only one piece of data that actually matters at the end of the day, and that's the score. <laughs> like who got more points at the end of the day? And, um, to, uh, to my friends in Canada, you know, when the Grey Cup comes around this summer, it's going to be the same thing. You'll have all kinds of data, but there's only one thing that matters. Marketing's got all kinds of data. Sales has all kinds of leading indicators. But at the end of the day, there's only one piece of data there that matters, and that's how much revenue did we drive. And, and so that's why I'm adamant about this. And I think, you know, just a little aside on, on this, I know a lot of, a lot of our friends in marketing you know, you, you come across a new strategy, something you believe passionately in and, and you struggle to get budget and buy-in um, from the executive team in your organization. Um, and I would say if you're struggling to get budget and buy-in, I would, I would challenge you to go, okay, maybe, maybe if you can tie this more directly to revenue, you're going to get a little more attention then just, you know, I'm really excited about this new strategy. Anyhow, that's a little footnote on all of this. But we got to remember that revenue is key. And we've got to remember that, it, that we're responsible for driving both types of revenue, not just one. Yeah. I, I, I think over the years, and I've been guilty of this myself, where I get myself busy doing things, acting and thinking like I'm being productive. And at the end of the day, the cash is not matching my activities. And like you say, if it's not producing money, uh, then I, I, I don't care about likes and, uh, and exposures and views and whatnot. If it's not helping me run a business and pay my bills and pay my team and grow that way. Absolutely. Hmm. Um, you talked about leading indicators. Is is, mm -hmm. is 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 revenue the only thing that you track or are there other things that helps us kind of lead up to revenue? Well, I've been talking about these two types of revenue, and I think this is where this is the heart of the revenue growth engine. And this is the foundation for what I call exponential revenue growth, because if you think about it, 
when you think about revenue, there's there's really only two kinds of revenue. There's net new business. We go out, we get a new logo, we land a new deal, we get some market share. And then there's cross-sell revenue. This is where we land and expand. We grow wallet share inside our current client base. We cross-sell, upsell, all of that. And if you think about it, those are the two core sources of revenue. You go, well, well Daryl, what if my company acquires another company? Is that a source of revenue? Well, kind of, but you better keep driving net new and cross-sell. Otherwise, the uh, the executive team not, is not going to be very happy. But here's, here's what I've noticed. Two observations. One is when you get both net new and cross-sell going at the same time, you get a hockey stick approach. If you can drive, it's very interesting. And on our, our website at revenuegrowthengine.com and the toolkit, we have a, it's a really simple spreadsheet. I call it the exponential growth planner. And if you take net new and your measure for net new business is how many customers do we have? Really simple. How many customers do we have? Um, and let's say we grow that by 15% year, year over year. You got 100. At the end of the year, you have 115. What's our revenue per customer? That's the measure of cross-sell effectiveness. Because if you're selling more uh, to your clients, your revenue per customer is going to go up. If you could grow that revenue per customer, if you had the right systems and processes in place and could grow that revenue per customer by 15%. What's incredible is if you get both of those going at the same time, you actually double business, you double revenue organically in less than three years. Now, the challenge though, the second observation, so that's exciting, by the way, and the entrepreneurs and business owners that I talk to about exponential revenue growth, that gets them excited because they go, wow, modest growth in net new number of customers and compounded with modest growth in revenue per customer um, literally can put us in a position of doubling our business in less than three years keep that cycle going. And in a decade, you've doubled, doubled and doubled. I mean, the revenue is, is really exciting, right? All of a sudden, the $10 million business is an $80 million business in a decade through organic growth. Problem is, and here's the challenge, and this is, this is why I'm so passionate about the revenue growth engine for companies that want to grow, is that typically, most companies I've been into or, or, and talked with they tend to be good at one or the other. They're either good at going out and landing the new deals or they're really good at managing their current client relationships and growing that revenue per client. But it's been a long time since they sold anyone new. And so what I would say is, first of all, you know, I'd ask everybody, gut check, real honest uh, answer, what are you better at right now? Are you better at net new or are you better at cross-sell? And then look at the area where you're not good. Keep doing what you're doing in the area where you're good. But in the area where you're not good, put some focus there in terms of processes, systems that you can put in place to ensure that, you know, if you're good at net new, put systems in place to ensure that you cross sell. And the whole last half of Revenue Growth Engine shares ideas and, and uh, systems you can put into place. Flip side, if you're not good at, at net new, you're great at cross sell. Put processes and systems in place for net new. And this, you know, this whole thing about modest gains in each one of those areas, 12, 15%, you'll see that in the spreadsheet in our free toolkit at revenuegrowthengine.com. When you see that, you just go, wow, okay, this is cool because A, it's doable. And B, it's exciting when you start to see that hockey stick um, go up into the to the right. And for my Canadian friends, we all like to see a hockey stick, right? So absolutely. Yeah. So that's exponential revenue growth. Hmm. You know what I love about what you just said is like, you said you're going to double your business in three years. You didn't say we're going to 10X it in in three days. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. Come on. Anytime you see someone that says they're going to 10x your business in 90 days. I've got days. the formula and to um, do 10x your business in like yeah. three days. And I'm like, why don't you just do it yourself? Why are you selling this? Yeah, yeah. When you're scrolling <laughs> through Facebook and you see that, you should uh, you should unfollow. <laughs> but, exactly. Um, those people usually aren't your friends. That's usually sponsored content. But the uh, yeah, the, the whole thing is if you look, and this is a sensible 
I call it in the book, I call it aggressive, but realistic goals. Because look, when it comes to setting revenue goals, most companies do one of two things. They either do the spaghetti on the wall approach. They're sitting in their annual planning going, oh, what do you think we can do this year? And they go, I don't know. And the, you know, the, the entrepreneur goes, well, I think, you know, we can, we can 10X it. And then the operation finance guy goes, well, I think we can grow up by 3% or whatever. And then they come up with some number in the middle, but it's, it's has no basis in reality. And you know that when you get to June or July and you're reviewing the numbers and you're not hitting them and someone goes, well, that wasn't realistic in the first place. How many times have we been there? The other way that companies set is uh, here's my prop right here. I call it the ruler method, right? So we'll take a look at what we did this year, this year, this year. We'll put a little ruler on it and we'll set our revenue goal. Well, that's conservative, um, but let's be honest. Number one, uh, the, the industries that we're all selling into are changing rapidly. Um, it's a very dynamic marketplace. So, I mean, is that even a great place to start? And the second thing is, you may be leaving lots of money on the table. So here's how I recommend you set goals. And, um, you know, for marketing friends that are listening in, this is a great one to bring um, to the executive team. Take these two numbers, net new and cross sell. How many customers do we have? What's our revenue per customer? And then set realistic goals and how much you could grow each one of those. Oh, man, I think we could grow net new by 20% right now. And I think if we, you know, put the right systems and processes in place, we could grow our revenue per customer by 15%. Okay, then do the math and add that up. Now, that goal is going to seem aggressive because when you start compounding things, it gets kind of exciting. But it's going to be realistic because it's based on some actual numbers and this gives businesses, a, a business teams, leadership teams, a way to have a reasonable discussion about the business goal and then also to be able to track it. How many customers do we add? Hope we kept our current customers too. And how many, um, you know, what's our revenue per customer and how are we doing? That's going to show me the health of those two parts of the business. Love it. Love it. Love it. So about like 10, 20% a year compounding over 10 years. That's like the long, you know, sometimes or if not all the time, I say we got to slow down to speed up. Yes. And I've seen people that, yeah, they 10 X over 90 days, but they can't handle it. And they just crashed right back down and they, they have a bunch of unhappy customers. And then, you know, um, it just doesn't, it barely ever works. Well, I've seen up, people doing it, but yeah, well, here's, here's the deal. I mean, you can, um, you can outkick your coverage to use another football analogy, right? You can, you can set yourself up so you grow too fast. And, um, and so every business has a limited amount of operational capability to deliver. doesn't matter what you sell, whether you're a services company or a product company, there's only so much inventory, if you will, um, to sell. So who are you going to sell it to and who are you going to target? The next thing we, we talk about in the Revenue Growth Engine book, and I'm very passionate about this, is understanding your ideal client. Now, an ideal client is someone that needs everything that you offer and can buy everything that you sell and aligns with your company's values. They're a good, they've got a lot of potential yield or value, and they're a good fit. Why is that important? Well, if you've got a limited amount of capability to deliver, wouldn't you want to focus on the types of clients that have the opportunity to develop a long-term relationship with you and that are actually going to appreciate you? How many times have we bent over backwards in our business to try to make a square peg fit in a round hole? And uh, we've you know, done all kinds of things. And then the customer just leaves at the next opportunity. You go, wait a second. So I'm an advocate for understanding who your ideal clients are. We walk you through in the book how to develop an ideal client profile. It's not always your biggest clients, uh, but it's the best fit clients that align with your business. And what we do in the book as well is we challenge you to, to discover the 10-year value of an ideal client. Like sit down and once you've, you've we, we coach people to say, hey, pick four or five clients that you just really like working with that need everything that you sell. Let's start to describe those. And then let's ask the question, what if, what if these ideal clients bought everything they could buy from our company over the next 10 years? 
Now, I know, I know in marketing, we're supposed to do lifetime value of the client. My opinion of that is that's too slippery. I want to know next decade, what could they buy if they were all in? Um, plus, once we know what they could buy over the next decade, I just moved the decimal one place over. Now I know their annual value, which is easy math, which is good for a recovering sales guy. So um, I look at the 10-year value of an ideal client and what I've discovered, and I've been in large businesses, small businesses across multiple industries all over North America. And on average, an ideal client is worth 20 to 30x your average client. Daryl, how much is our average client worth? Easy math. Total annual revenue divided by your number of clients. That's your average client value right now. Um, it's your measure of cross-sell effectiveness. So if we can understand who these ideal clients are, then what we, we do is we focus our sales and marketing efforts on these ideal clients. We focus our message around the outcomes these ideal clients want. And we ensure that, you know, for the sales team, hey, you can call on whoever you want. We'll take an order from anyone, but 100% guaranteed you're going to call on these ideal targets, ideal prospects. That's how it works around here. Well, I don't want to call on that ideal prospect. No problem. We'll assign it to somebody else. But 100% of the time, they're going to hear from us. Same thing in marketing. Uh, we'll talk about marketing 100% engagement targets here in just a second. This one's a little controversial, but hey, we're having fun. Um, but that's where we go. Okay. Let's, if we're going to drive exponential revenue, we need the type of clients that can buy everything that we sell. And that's where an ideal client is that type of person. So I don't, you know, I'll take steady growth with ideal clients over hundred X selling to the world when I can't even deliver, no one's going to be happy. And three quarters of them are going to leave anyways. I'll take ideal clients all day long because they're the ones that when you see their caller ID on the phone, you don't have that hesitation and go, oh, do I have to take this call? You go, I look forward to talking to them because they're a good fit. Really, really, really powerful. On so We spend the rest of the show talking about ideal clients. I'm passionate about this. And I think when you start to add up the 10-year value, that's in our toolkit as well as a spreadsheet to add up the 10-year value of an ideal client uh, on our website. And uh, it, it's like every time I do that with an executive team, we'll have the owner, the, you know, the CEO, sales leaders, marketing leaders in there. And we add all that stuff up without fail. There's jaws on the table going, whoa. I had one recently we did where their ideal client was literally 100x their average client. There's your there's where you want to see the 10x and the 100x. Yep. Oh yeah. It, it don't don't go after 10x growth, go after 10x clients. Clients. Oh yeah. Yes. That's like I might like trademark the, that. <laughs> That's good. Sure that right there, right? Don't go after 10x growth, go after 10x clients because when you bring those clients on, they're yeah. going to give you the growth if you have the right 100%. systems in place. And um, uh, I'm a huge fan of the 80-20 principle. And those oh, are yeah. probably the top 20% of your customers that give you like 80 or 90% of your sales. And like you bring in one extra customer and mm -hmm. that would like double, triple, 5X or 10X your sales. And it's much different. Same type of effort, but. Yeah, if you take a look, and I've, this is another great exercise. Get your list of current clients and the revenue they did with you over the last year or five years or whatever time frame you want. If you got 100, carve off the top 20% and add that revenue up. It Pareto, Vilfredo Pareto, that Italian economist, he's never wrong. <laughs> and if never. he's wrong, it's because it's like 95-5, not 80-10. And this is where we got to understand who our ideal clients are. And if we do who our ideal clients are, you know who our ideal prospects are. And then we don't need leads anymore because we already know who our leads are. What we need is engagement with those ideal prospects. Absolutely. Um, you talked about and you touched on the revenue growth engine. Tell us more about it. Well, if you think about the concept of an engine, every every business has a revenue growth engine. It's just some total of your sales and marketing processes that drive growth. And um, whether you're a startup working in a coffee shop or whether you're a global 100 company with offices on every continent, you've got a revenue growth engine in your business. The problem is, or that gets the question is, how many cylinders does your engine have? 
And I got the idea for the book, uh, actually the whole concept of revenue growth engine one day as I was mowing my lawn. And you go, Daryl, aren't successful people supposed to hire someone to mow their lawn? Like, haven't you been to any kind of seminar? And I'm like, I know, I know. But what I like about mowing my lawn is I can sit on my 60 inch zero turn lawnmower and for 35 minutes, nobody can call me. I can listen to great podcasts like this and I get great ideas. So I'm puttering across my lawn. And then when you're done, of course, when you work in marketing, you don't always see the results right away, but my lawn, ooh, it looks good when I'm done with it. So anyhow, I'm puttering across my lawn and um, I see my car on at the end of the driveway and I realize my lawnmower has an engine and my car has an engine but they're very, very different. Now I looked it up. My 60 inch zero turn lawnmower has a 24.5 horsepower engine. Great for a lawnmower. Not good if I want to get on the freeway, right? My car, 330 horsepower turbo charge. I don't know what the zero to 60 or zero to hundred kilometers an hour for my Canadian friends is, but it'll get you there fast. And so what I realize is every business has a growth engine. The question is, how many cylinders does your growth engine have? How, how much horsepower is in there? Are, is it firing on all cylinders? And in the case of most businesses, are there cylinders missing? And that's what I wanted to be able to do with the revenue growth engine was to put a model in place. So you can almost lay down on top of your current business and see ah, that's missing or we should improve over here. Because when you get the engine firing on all cylinders, that's when you can accelerate. And uh, I don't know about you, but I like accelerating. So I want, you know, I want the business to accelerate uh, just like I want the car to accelerate. And, and the more powerful your engine, the, the faster you're going to be able to grow. For sure. Um, and the, the term firing on all cylinders is something I've been thinking about actually for the past week or two. Look, I'm thinking, what if my business was firing on all cylinders? What if this thing was firing on all cylinders? And mm -hmm. it just makes a difference. If And if one or two of your cylinders are not firing or they're half firing, uh, you would be in trouble. Yeah, you would. I, I was uh, actually uh, putting some videos together last week for a new website. And I was thinking about um, back in the day, I used to, I used to have a six-cylinder uh, SUV. It was a Toyota 4Runner. And I had a ski boat. I love boats. I think you said that in the introduction. And so I live right on the south edge of the Ozark Mountains. And there's lots of great, beautiful lakes here. So anyhow, I, my boat, I could pull to the lake, put in the lake, have a great day and all that. Then I got another boat. This other, this next boat was a little bit bigger because that's how it works, right? It's a little bit heavier. And I'm pulling that boat to the lake with my six-cylinder truck. And I get about halfway up one of these big hills. And I just have that sinking feeling going, uh-oh, I might not make it to the top of this hill. I need a bigger engine. And so I quickly discovered that if I was going to keep that new boat, I was going to have to get a new truck with an eight-cylinder engine, and which I did. And, um, and, and I think this is kind of the evolution of a business. As your business grows and hits different plateaus on your way up, you know, every time you hit one of those plateaus, I think it's a, it's a sign that you need to reevaluate re your engine. You know, the six cylinder engine may have been great to get you to where you are right now, but maybe it's time for a eight cylinder diesel or maybe it's time, you know, for a, a tractor trailer or some, you know, something bigger. Because the reality is um, at at every point along the way in the evolution of your business, this is where this is where you need more and more horsepower in your engine. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, what are some signs that you see in your sales and marketing that you uh, that you should be aware? Of, um, and those are signs of your cylinders not firing. Well, I think that best place to start is at the dashboard. And on the dashboard, there should there's two dials on most cars. You get the RPMs and the miles per hour, kilometers per hour. Um, the two two dials on your revenue growth engine are what we talked about earlier net new business and cross-sell business. So are we growing net new and are we growing revenue per client cross-sell business? I think that's where you start because the reality is there are a lot of businesses that are growing, but when you pull, you know, kind of look at the dashboard from that perspective, they're really healthy in one area and maybe not so healthy 
in the other. So that's where, to me, where you get the, the clue, you know, the, the, the indicators that you go, okay, I think we need to look at our cross sell revenue. Now, you know, now you can start to look and go, okay, well, let's look at that from a sales perspective. And let's look at that from a, a marketing perspective, from a sales perspective throughout that client life cycle, you've got onboarding, right? <laughs> Are your salespeople turning in an order and then, uh, bye-bye, you know, <laughs> see you later. Or are they uh, engaged, realizing they don't close a sale, they open a relationship and they're engaged yeah. throughout the onboarding process in such a way that sets up regular, periodic, quarterly business reviews in a way that sets up a renewal process, possibly. Um, and, and so that they're developing that relationship with the client, continuing to add value. Um, and are growing inside that account base uh, and getting referrals along the way. The marketing side too, if, if, you're, if your revenue per client isn't looking that great, you start to go, okay, well, marketing. You go, well, where's your marketing time and effort being spent? Is it with generating net new leads or is it with engaging with current clients to drive cross-sell revenue? You know, we, we live in a market, especially in the digital marketing world, where we're always, you know, kind of bumping up the, against the wall of do I have permission and, and all that? Well, if you have a current customer, you have permission. <laughs> they bought something from you. Yeah. The marketing does not end when somebody becomes a customer. The marketing only just begun. And that's where I think a lot of you know, organizations miss it as well. So do we have a client loyalty program? Do we have a client communication program? Do we have ways to continue to educate, um, equip, nurture uh, events, uh, all, all kinds of different strategies you can put in place? And that's where, you know, I think when you, when you figure out if it's net new or cross-sell, then you go, okay, what's sales doing? What's marketing doing? And by the way, is any of it documented or is it just all fly by the seat of your pants? Because if it's not documented, um, you know, Gina Wickman in the book Traction says, if you haven't documented something, you can't improve it until you document it. Now, once it's documented, it may not be a perfect process, but once it's documented, you can improve it. And that's where, um, you know, if you if you start lifting the hood and looking at that engine and realize nothing's written down, um, everyone's revenue growth engine should have an owner's manual. And uh, in the Build Your Revenue Growth Engine mentorship program, that's what everyone does. They actually build an owner's manual uh, throughout that program for their revenue growth engine so that they can hand it to a new person on the sales or marketing team. They can hand it to their marketing partners that they work with and to go, this is what we do around here. This is how we do it. Now, if you want to make recommendations to improve it, awesome. But for most companies, they don't even have it documented. So imagine, imagine buying a car that didn't have an owner's manual or a repair guide. <laughs> imagine buying a car that someone just put together in a factory and said, here you go. And when it stops performing, you go, huh, that's a bummer. <laughs> right? There's the, the, what do you do? Well, that's not how it works. If you have an engine and the, you know, it throws a certain code or, or a certain light comes on, you know what to do about it. I think if you have not documented your net new and cross-sell processes for sales and marketing, uh, then you need to do it. And, and I think that's where you start because even in that, in, in, in documenting those, you're going to be able to go, oh, wow, we could fix that. Or you go, well, the emperor has no clothes here. <laughs> they were just, you know, winging it. And so that's where this whole concept of an engine is a flywheel, right? In good to great, Jim Collins talks about the flywheel of business. Yep. Sales and marketing are not um, one-time events. What we need to be Absolutely. looking for is where can we create those flywheels? For sure. Um, I'm a huge fan of Good to Great. Uh, mm -hmm. and um, I'm a huge fan of his graph. I don't know if, if we're talking about the same thing, but uh, and I'm looking at the book right now. Uh, uh, <laughs> Me too. It's <laughs> funny. He says... Uh, where you want to be is a de common denominator between your uh, your sales driver and what you love to do. And I could be wrong, and I'm just, just going by my memory and what the customer is asking for. That middle part is it where you want to be. Mm -hmm. and are you talking about the same graph? Am I? Or? 
I'm just thinking just about the whole flywheel concept, but, you know, just going along that thread of conversation, this is yeah. another reason why it's important to have an ideal client and really understand the ideal client, because here's the deal. There's a lot of noise out there. I think we all know this 3000, 3500 messages, messages a day that we're all exposed to from billboards, banner ads, YouTube advertisements. Why can't I watch a YouTube video without two commercials? Um, you know, we have all these. So we, of course, we filter stuff out, right? We, we have massive filters. Otherwise, we go insane. And the only thing I think that gets through those filters are ideas related to the outcomes that we want to achieve. And so the problem with a lot of marketing right now, in my humble opinion, is when you try to market to the masses, you end up being so generic. I call it marketing mush, right? You end up saying things like, our business, when you work with us, we can help you be more productive, more efficient. We can help you drive cost efficiencies and improve security. Meaningless. It doesn't mean it. It sounds great, right? It's great business jargon. It means absolutely nothing. It's like static noise, right? The old yeah. days when you had the little Boring. knob on the car, right? And it just gets tuned out. When you understand who your ideal client is, you can create a focused message so you can talk to your current ideal clients in this current environment, February 1, 2023, what's going on? And, you know, I, I watched this happen during the pandemic when it first, you know, a big massive shift in the world. Um, companies were, you know, in 2019 selling for the most part, the exact same products that they were selling in 2020. But buyers, in a lot of cases, were buying something totally different because buyers don't buy products and services. They buy the outcomes those products and services enable. And uh, Gartner, the tech research company, I've done most of my career in tech. Uh, Gartner said in 2019, everyone's looking for scalability, rapid growth, you know, all of that. All of a sudden in 2020, same products. What are they looking for? Redundancy resiliency, remote work, you know, all, all, all of that type of stuff, the outcomes shifted. And what I think is really, really important, and this is why in marketing in particular, we've got to have our ear to the ground. And when I say to the ground, I've got to be listening to our current clients. What's going on in your business right now? And that message has got to be spot on. Otherwise, we're just going to get caught in the static noise and, you know, our response rates are going to be abysmally low. We're going to be frustrated. But when we can do it, I, I use the analogy. Now, this is going to prove I'm Canadian. In the book, the analogy I use is maple syrup. I love maple syrup. In fact, I've got a great uh, friend that hooks me up with pure Canadian maple syrup. Uh, that's how, yeah, I, this is my love language. And you know, the story of maple syrup, of course, it starts with 40 gallons of sap. It gets boiled down to one gallon of the most delicious substance on earth. Now that, uh, maple syrup is like your message. You got to start and boil it down to the things that really, really matter to those ideal clients. Once you know your ideal client, you can build a message. So that's where um, I think it's so critical right now. There's so much noise on all these different platforms. The only thing, in my opinion, that's going to break through that noise is a focused message based on the outcomes your ideal clients want to achieve. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, tell us about your gift, please, Daryl. The um, <laughs> well, I wrote a book. I wrote all this down, which was a labor of love. It was a lot of fun actually writing this book. And uh, not only did I write it, I also record, I read it, I recorded it, uh, which was definitely a labor of love. Can you imagine reading a book out loud from beginning to end? Uh, but I had a great coach that, that uh, helped me produce the audio book. And so right now, um, I thought the best thing to do was would be to give folks access to the audiobook. You can access it right away if what we're talking about today is striking a chord. You can go to revenuegrowthengine.com slash book, or if you're out driving around, uh, pull over and text the word revenue to 21,000. That's revenue to 21,000. And you can get immediate access to the Revenue Growth Engine audiobook. And I'll walk you through the concepts we've talked about today, exponential revenue growth, 
ideal clients, your focus message plan, and all the different cylinders of your revenue growth engine. And um, when you get the book, I hope you connect with me. I'd love to to uh, get to know you and and what's going on in your business. We, we're always sharing things on our on my LinkedIn profile. I share a lot of concepts. I'm always looking for new ideas. So I love mixing it up out there. But yeah, I encourage everyone grab a copy of the book. It's my gift to you. And uh, you'll be able to take some of the concepts we've talked about today and start to put them to work to grow your business. Fantastic. So gang, to get access to Daryl's gift, Revenue Growth Engine audiobook, have you narrated it yourself or did you have someone I else? I did. I did. I narrated it from beginning to it. end. Yeah. Good. So it's narrated by, by uh, the man, the legend himself. <laughs> uh, go to revenuegrowthengine.com forward slash book to get this audiobook. Um, so, uh, Daryl, you talk about, we said we don't, people don't need leads. Companies mm. don't lead, need leads. That's a big claim. What do you mean by that? Yeah, yeah. this one always grabs some attention. So, Here's the deal. So and I've lived in this world between sales and marketing, right? So sales is like, you're not giving us enough leads. So then marketing, we generate a bunch of leads. And then what do salespeople go? These leads are garbage, you know, and it goes back and forth. And I'm just, I just want to say, stop it. Just stop it. If you know who your ideal client is, then you should be able to know who your ideal prospects are. And especially in the world of B2B, where you can narrow that down to a specific list of companies that you want to work with. I don't need leads. I already know who my leads are. I need engagement with the decision makers and influencers in those accounts. So what I say is, look, let's stop. It's great. Interestingly, most of the things that you do for account-based marketing are going to drive inbound marketing, but let's stop waiting for fish to swim by and nibbling on something. And let's take this list of ideal prospects and let's go get them, right? From a sales perspective, we have a target account program backed up with prospecting sequences and a whole cadence and documented process. From a marketing perspective, this one's a little bit different, but I, I want to challenge everyone to think about this. Let's say you had a thousand. So on sales side, we'll finish the sales side. What I'm going to aim for is 100% coverage. Every one of these ideal prospects hears from our sales team on a regular pre-agreed upon cadence, once a quarter or whatever that is. Um, what if we flip that to marketing and said, okay, look, we'll t of course, we'll fish swim by, grab something off the website. That's great. We'll nurture them, flip them into leads. But these thousand companies that are ideal prospects, let's set a goal of 100% engagement with them so that we have some type of engagement with them that we've at least pinged on their radar once a quarter, let's say, or whatever thing. Now, are we ever going to get to 100%? Of course not. But in the world where we're measuring like email open rates and the single digits and you know, back when you could hope to measure click-through rates and different things like that, this flips the whole thing on its head because what we're aiming for is we're aiming to say, look, once again, we'll take a lead from anybody, but these ideal prospects, the list, these 100,000 companies, 5,000 companies, whatever that is, they will, you know, our goal in marketing is even if, you know, <laughs> we can send emails, we can send text, we can uh, do banner ads and paid ads and retargeting. We, we can do all kinds of stuff, but even if we have to send them a FedEx package, you know, to get their attention, we're going to get on their radar. And, and to me, what that 100% engagement thing does is it opens the minds of all of us in marketing to go, okay, how can I pull this off? Because these are the companies that need to know the name of our business. you know. And, and in the world, you don't have a marketing budget unless you're Nike or Coca-Cola. You can't boil the ocean. Um, you've got to be focused. So how can we focus on getting on the radar of the decision makers and influencers in these 1000 companies. And I think the whole account-based marketing movement is heading in the right direction on that. And, and to me, the, the biggest thing there is just that philosophy of saying, Hey, this is who we're going after. Let's go get them rather than, well, we just didn't get a lot of web traffic. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, that those days, those days are gone. And that's where, we had a lot of companies. I'm, I talked at the top of the hour about companies that had tried inbound marketing, 
and I'd sold it to him. I was really good at selling inbound marketing. And so uh, I'd sold it to him saying, hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to answer people's questions. We're going to get found online. We're going to get search engine placement when someone's looking. But I had this nagging realization in the back of my mind that for everyone that's looking actively for the solution that your company offers, there's probably 20 people that need what you offer that aren't out there looking for it yet. And so we need to go engage with those people. Absolutely. So there's a question in chat about uh, about this engagement piece. Uh, Adele says communication has to start somewhere, providing a way to connect with uh, an awesome way uh, is an awesome way to do that. From the marketing point of view, can you talk about why you choose to go the book route? And mm-hmm. also, once you have someone in your circle, how do you keep them engaged? Ah, it's a great question. Well, so um, I think a book, this is my perspective, and there's always multiple perspectives on this. A book is high value. Um, and to me, it's it's low cost, right? The book's been produced. An audiobook doesn't have a cost of distribution for me. Um, and also, and, and by the way, I've, for a long time, we've done just pay shipping and handling on the book. And I'll send you one. And by the way, if you want to do that, I'm happy to send you a book, a print book. But there's a delay. So by the time the order comes in, I send you the book, you get it a week later, you've long forgotten about that uh Canadian guy that lives in the South that talked about some kind of revenue motor or something. So with, uh, I like the audiobook. it's instant gratification. It is immediate and I'm playing with something new. So my marketing friends out there will know I'm actually hosting the book inside a private podcast that you'll get access to. And inside that private podcast, I've got it hosted on a platform that does dynamic ad insertion. So as you're listening to the book at the end of each chapter, I can have calls to action. So just literally just set that up last week. So I didn't even have all the calls to action and all the chapters yet. So um, I'm curious what y'all think about that when you hear the book. But the idea is now um, we'll be able to drop that inside someone's podcast player. They can listen to the book. There's calls to action. I can change those. And if I want to drop a bonus item in there, um, in the future, it's going to pop up in your uh, podcast feed. That's what I'm trying. So that's where, and once once they're in, you'll notice you'll go into a funnel. We have a masterclass. We have the Build Your Revenue Growth Engine Mentorship Program, where we work with a company and walk with them for an entire year through the process of building the core part of their engine, their net new, their cross-sell, and in the fourth quarter, all the cadences they need to put in place to keep it upgraded. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So, um, Daryl, give us a 30-second or less uh, simple marketing strategy that people could use right now and see some results results rather immediately. I like client education. And um, I, I can do this in 30 seconds. You can get a learning management system. Uh, there are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. You can take courses and teach your clients how to use your products and services in those courses that you create and in the process, set yourself up for cross-sell and deliver a better customer experience. So I don't think a lot of companies are doing this yet. I really love the idea of getting a learning management system and building a client education system. Um, You've got immediate opportunity to go out and start cross-selling, but you're doing it through education, which uh, I'm a Jay Abraham fan, paradox of knowledge. The more you know about something, the more questions you have. We're going to go get it answered. So I say for a lot of companies, set up a client education portal and start marketing your clients by teaching them. How about that? Love it. Love it. Let me ask you a few uh, personal questions, if that's okay. Sure. Bring it on. And these are like, we need like simple questions, uh, simple responses. Uh, What's a new thing you have tried recently, uh, big or small? Uh, Trekking. I got to trek to Mount Everest Base Camp last year. That was a big leap for me. On Everest. Uh, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but that I would have loved to just mm-hmm. talk about that. Maybe next round, we'll talk about Mount Everest. That's right. When you get the free book, you're going to learn about an all new program I'm rolling out tomorrow, which is the Revenue Growth Expedition, taking 12 entrepreneurs to Everest Base Camp. Uh, so as part of our he's program. taking 12 entrepreneurs to Everest ba- Base Camp. When is this happening, Daryl? 
It's going to happen November 1st through 15th. Um, it's going to be 12 participants in your our Build Your Revenue Growth Engine program. So yeah, I'd love to come back and talk about that yeah. uh, because it was a lot of fun. It also created a massive buzz for my company. So I want to be able to get that for a dozen other entrepreneurs. Great ideas. Great idea there. Give me two of your favorite books. I like The Experience Economy by Joseph Pine and James Gilmore. And uh, also for your sales team, I want to introduce you to Selling from the Heart by Larry Levine. And I can't give you the sneak preview of the book he's releasing later this year, but just get Selling from the Heart and you're going to see another book coming out right behind it that is dynamite. Very nice. What's one advice that made a big impact in your, on your business or life? Hmm. Get clear on your values and your mission. Uh, I think when you do that, um, it really helps you understand uh, how you focus your effort. And this goes for entrepreneurs, but also goes for my friends in marketing as well. If you're going to get up in the morning and work all day, you want to be promoting something you actively and passionately believe in. So I think get clear on that. Love it. Uh, Daryl, if you had a Facebook or a Google mess, uh, ad where everyone around the globe with access to internet could see, what would your message be for people of earth? People of earth, chill out. <laughs> it's going to be all right. <laughs> How about that? It's going to be all right. <laughs> Love it. Don't, don't take it too hard on yourself. That's right. That's right. Bill, it's this all has been be an okay. amazing conversation. Thank you very much for sharing all the knowledge and the wisdom. Is there anything that you maybe would have wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance other than uh, the two-hour story about Mount Everest? Well, we could talk about Mount Everest. We could talk about hockey. We could talk about all kinds of great things. But it's been so much fun being here, and uh, we can keep the conversation going on LinkedIn. So when you get a copy of the book, you'll also get, oh, you'll see text messages coming back to give you a link to the book. Um, so you also see some SMS marketing in action. One of those SMSs is going to have my LinkedIn profile. So please connect with me. We'll keep the conversation going. Absolutely. So, gang, don't forget to download his book. To get that, you can go to revenuegrowthengine.com forward slash book and get the audiobook from um, um, Daryl. Uh, thank you for joining us. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the show. If you have any questions or comments, put them in a, in a comment below on whichever channel you're watching. And do get back to us. Feel free to send the link of this show to a friend that could benefit from this conversation and or send the link to Daryl's book to a friend that could benefit from, you know, revenue and growth and uh, the rest of it. And we'll go from there. Thank you for joining us. Have yourself a great week and we'll see you next week. Bye now.